In Canada, I'm your host Tom, and with me as always are Dan, Ward, Mike, and Steve, who is now going to stop typing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, I just want to start things off by saying thank you to everyone that actually responded to the post for, with their questions. We'll be getting, jumping into that stuff here right away, but first we should go headfirst into This Week in Hobby. Yeah. Steve? Uh, I did a little bit on the custodes. I think since we last recorded, I've actually got them. I know the last time we recorded, I had them base coded, and I think ready to go and playable. But I've played a bunch of games with them. I know they have magnets. They do have magnets. How do they work? Uh, they hold them up, which is better than the stands they came with. Uh, <laughs> the stands that they came with are atrocious. Like, they've got the, the, like the... Mike, you'd know, the Dark Eldar, uh, like, ball pivot thing yeah, that yeah, goes into yeah. the <laughs> Raiders. It's like a single piece that it fits into. It's like uh, there's no mold lines where, like, the, the ball goes in or whatever. <laughs> this one is two halves you have to glue together, so it works itself apart, and there's never any friction to actually hold them on. So any Custodes players that are using these bikes, good luck. Uh, yeah, that was, that was one of the things where I was looking at the sprues initially going, oh, this could be an issue. Yeah. So I immediately just drilled out the, like, I played one game with them and was like, this is the worst as their stands just continually fall off all game. When you're, like, moving them into combats with a weird spear and that kind of stuff, it was yeah. just a pain in the ass. If the models were half the size, it'd be fine. Yep. Drilled out this, the uh, the pivot thing, put magnets in there, salt. Played a game, it was fun. It was much better. They don't fall off anymore. That was my hobbying. <laughs> magnets! Yeah. How do they work? Yeah. Um, I finally finished my... First batch of Nurglings, and then jumped into getting a Poxbringer done, and now I'm about 80 to 90% done five Plague Bearers? Yep, I'd say so. So? I'll give you the 80% uh, stamp. Boop! Yep, there you go. That was the stamp. <laughs> it's very Dan. official now. <laughs> Dan, how about you? It's got um, its own sound effect. <laughs> the, the extent of my hobby in the last couple of weeks has been um, building some Necromunda models, and I got the bases just about finished. I did up, I grabbed a handful of bases, I think it was around 20-ish. Yep. And, of the uh, Manufactorums or whatever? It was a mix of the Sector Mechanicum, because I don't they, even know what they don't have the 25 mil. Yeah. So um, I used some of the 40s and maybe some of the 32s, and then the Necromunda 25s and 32s. What is the difference? I, I thought they were the same. No. Um, yeah, the no. Necrom- the Sector Mechanicus ones match the Necromunda terrain. The Necromunda bases are kind of their own thing. And that makes no sense. <laughs> well, because the Necromunda scenery came out with Shadow War Armageddon, which is more around. Oh the, yeah, yeah, which yeah, is more around right. the time that those bases came out. That's right. The Necromunda scenery came out in a different game. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a little a bit complicated, game. and uh, when you're dry brushing them and stuff, you can you can really tell the difference in the type of tooling. But realistically, yeah, it's just pile of metal, pile of weathering pigments, uh, a few picked out details. I have a little bit more work to do uh, just to break up the big patches of uh, rusty silver. But cool. uh, then I'll have 20 bases done, which should be enough for a gang of Gene Stealer Cult. So those are the ones that I started building first. 
Gene Stealer cult. Which yeah. Is yeah. Okay. Interesting. Because I always had Death Watch Overkill, but now I picked up the. And I may which have mentioned should be a band. Previously. If there isn't a band, it should be. I, mean, I hear Lang plays bass in it. Okay. But uh, used to. Used to. <laughs> That's true. Used to play bass important for Death Watch Overkill. <laughs> a very important distinction. But um, so yeah, Does he I, even listen to our puckin' podcast? Our puckin' podcast? Well done. <laughs> oh my god! We've That's how we become PG. <laughs> puckin' rates, eh? Oh my god! We're officially a PG podcast, right? Well, I still need to say shit. We're never going to remember to say that, though. No. But it's yeah. a good Puck effort. <laughs> good effort. Just got to remember to pucker. Apparently, according to the History Channel, it used to be called a puck off instead of a face off. But then when it was on TV, people were like, "We can't, we can't say puck off all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to get slipped." Because yeah, the the Oilers commentary guys were talking about that the other day about how the guy like has already taken four shits this game. Uh, shots, shots, shots on net. <laughs> like he caught it immediately, but it was too late. <laughs> Perfect. Taking four shits on the ice, and it's only the first period. <laughs> oh man, he really got shit into the boards there, eh? Oh, uh, so good. I've heard okay. shit on a hockey broadcast way more often than any other expletive. Yeah, I think Cassie Campbell has said it a bunch of times. Yeah. Man, the one that really fucked with me about it though is it like she said it, I watched the broadcast, and then I saw there's like a huge response negatively towards her being on that broadcast, and I'm like, oh, for the swearing, right? No, it's because she was married to the GM or the assistant GM for Calgary, and like, why are you commentating on this? And it's like, <laughs> fuck off. You're not impartial. <laughs> like, fuck off. Shouldn't it be with the swearing on hobby night or hockey night in Canada? Like, fuck that. <laughs> Puck that. You just you just dropped the F bomb three times without saying puck. Yeah, it's because we're not a PG podcast. Oh, okay, right. Like I thought, I, I thought that was something that you were trying to No, we no, have to make okay. it's already too late for this episode. <laughs> it's already too late for the previous ninety-two. It's too late for us. Go on. So like maybe if we do like a hard format shift we can get it, but No. 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 Yeah. The lost episodes, the lost ninety-two episodes. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good. But yeah, so it was building Gene Steeler cults with Death Watch Overkill models with an extra box of Neophyte hybrids and the uh, Acolyte box as well, because nice. that's how you get your yep. yeah, Acolytes with like the rock saws and the blasting yep. charges and that shit. Yep. So uh, those models are actually really cool. Really yep. looking forward to painting them. I like it. I have now realized that super rusty orange bases, I was going to do orange coveralls on the models. Nope. Not Can't anymore. do that no more. Nope. Although blue denim would look good. Yeah. You just do blue coveralls, problem solved, and then you're playing the Oilers. And then you should get the, um, that P3 denim paint. I already have it, yo. Oh, yeah, I brought it for you. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Yeah. Mordo. Uh, cleaning more Thousand Suns, so I should have, uh, I got a couple more pairs of legs to finish, and then you know I'll You know we're all going to make fun of you right now. I'll have 40, 40 Rubik Marines. You have two weeks to get paint on the model before we start giving you a really hard I've time. Primed. I've also primed uh, some of the original 20, so... Hey! Paint on the model! Jesus Christ. Prime, prime 40K! <laughs> <laughs> I, picked, I picked up a couple things to convert up some uh, Demon Princes here as well, so... Yeah, more gas, which more, is a pretty cool model. More gas, so hopefully we'll uh, see some work done on those. As and, opposed uh, to less gas? Yes. You don't want less gas. Yes, exactly. So uh, I also rolled out some more um, putty for bases and baked that up, so... I'll be cracking some more of that and basing uh, for my Thousand Suns and cleaned up my hobby room a little bit to get a little bit more organized. Nice. So, That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Progress. Yeah. Wow. Mike. Shut up, Mike. Yeah, don't sound too bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was, that was a little harsh. Um, I didn't actually finish anything. 
Whoa! Whoa! Is this a first? Would you like me to stop now so you guys can feel good for an episode? No, but like, but is this a first? No, but I guarantee he still he still did more than I did. Like he for sure magnetized more than I did. How many of the last fourteen days were you in the hospital, Mike? Yeah. Uh, See, this is what? No, he's lying. He's just being Uh, sarcastic. I thought for no, but that was the last time. I believed that that there was the last time that Mike missed hobby for more than like I didn't miss it. I just didn't bring anything to. Completion. <laughs> <laughs> and there we go. You've again. just been edging for two weeks? Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, <laughs> you painted a lot of rims, didn't you? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay, what did you actually get work done on? <laughs> well, all we're bringing back gutsy or goatsy, boys. No, we're not. No, no, we're not. That's dead. It's going to die. I finished uh, all the bases for 25 Marines. All the blending on the silver and the candy coat is done on all 25. Uh, three characters have all the blending and the candy coat on it for four of the, three yep. of them. Dreadnought's all just uh, highlighting. The uh, Repulsor is just picking out some of the details. And then that'll be 30-odd some models done within the next couple Isn't of Isn't there days. also Dreadnought in there, too? Yeah. He said yeah. that. Repulsor. Repulsor. Which no, one's no. Demptor? Demptor. Redemptor. 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 Oh, God damn. Repulsor's the, the vehicle. Repulsor's the big Land Raider-y yeah, yeah. floaty thing. Yes. Yeah. With, I don't even know anymore. With all the guns. Yeah. 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 That's pretty sweet. Uh, Mike showed a picture. He's got way more done than I did. That's for sure. Oh, of course he did. It's Mike. <laughs> for sure. I guess I can't really count. I feel three like magnets. Okay, I, I just I have a I have a theory, and I don't want to an answer ma- right now. Sorry, Mike. sorry yeah, let, me, yeah. let me reiterate. Sorry, I said three magnets. I was wrong. I actually got six magnets on models. That's true. Because yeah. you have to no, because three magnets. were on models, three were on bases. True, you're correct. You're correct. So technically, you're correct. Which is the best kind of correct? <laughs> so I'm throwing out a theory right now, Mike. Please don't answer until we get to the segment later. Yep. My theory as to why you're always grumpy uh-huh. is that you do more work than the rest of us combined. <laughs> it's a valid theory. I'm gonna. I feel validated by a cell phone going off immediately after that. <laughs> um, okay. So as far as shut up and take my money goes, oh man, uh, so easy who, this week. Yeah, so easy. The Vansars. Yeah. Yes, they will not be out for a long time, but they're pretty. <laughs> oh my god, those are fucking cool. Models. I, I like how there was a collective like sigh agreement. You're like, yeah. Yeah. It's going to happen. <laughs> Those Vansars yeah. are Well, Mike can't say he didn't work anything to completion anymore. <laughs> Vansars. <laughs> Fuck you, Dan. <laughs> you were not, we were actually talking about the Vansars, though, for uh, not just Necromunda, but doing them up as a like a radical Xenos yep. Inquisitor. Along with the Eisenhorn yep. model that came out recently, that yep. would be... Wow. Because they would make great stormtroopers. Yeah. It'd be excellent. And you were saying Vansars was your first Necromunda yeah, game? It was the very first. And then I hooked about six other people into starting 40k along that line. Via Necromunda. Wait, was, was Necromunda your first game ever? No. God, no. Oh, right, yeah. Rogue Remember, Trader. he has battle tech Rogue tattoos. Trader, come on. Oh, right, he does have battle tech tattoos. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, there's also Rogue Trader in there. But Necromunda would be, like, the the one that probably... Because Rogue Trader was not a game you could really hook friends into. No, no. From the but, little bit I've read of the rulebook. Oh, no, it's it wasn't. It definitely wasn't. You had to be diehard at that yeah, point. Yeah, to play Rogue Trader. But Necromunda was, like, Necromunda was, simple. like, the gateway drug to 40k. It only had D8s and D10s. <laughs> and it had about a million percent more mullets than proper 40k ever did. Mm, yeah. Yes. yeah, it's true. Because the Vansars had some pretty aggressive mullets and rat tails. That's so Which good. is why their, like, cybernetic little thing hanging off the back of their neck actually ties into their old shitty aesthetic. Did the rat skins have rat tails? 
we can all not know. that kind of rat on the rat skins. Yes. Okay, so anyways, but now we all talked about Van Stars. Does anybody have anything else? <laughs> What's your take up? Come on, Tom. Oh. Speak up. Um, okay, actually, no, I have one. I have one. So I was looking around because I realized that I want to take way more Beasts of Nurgle in my army. And mm-hmm. as much as I love the G-Dub kits, A, they're $50 each. <laughs> that hurts a little bit. And, and B, they're only one pose. So even if I'm modifying the tentacles and the faces and yeah. whether it's like webbed versus non-webbed hands. It's limited. It's pretty limited, and Cromlech has a couple of really gorgeous Beasts of Nurgle models. Like one that's like a the very... The Snail or something like that. Yeah. Like it looks really good, and it's only 24 euros. Yeah. That's so, well, like approximately the same cost after shipping, but it's different. But if I get a couple, maybe bring that shipping down. Yeah, it might save you a little bit of money. Maybe bite the bullet and actually do an entire Cromlech Orc army, which is really tempting, because those Orc models are boss as fuck. This is yep. escalating quickly. Yes. Bring that cost down by spending a lot more. <laughs> Each squad of 30 orcs is only 90 euros. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. That's a lot. That's uh, Death Corps of Krieg territory right there. 90 euros. And they're wearing Death Corps of Krieg looking yep. coats and yep. such. But they look really good. Uh, yeah, they do. I, I'll give you that. Like, really good. I feel, I feel a lot better about spending $600 on Fallout. <laughs> Was that all you spent on Fallout? <laughs> No, it was 650 I lied. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta pay for shipping, man. Oh, my God. You didn't, you didn't spend enough to get free shipping? Oh, they do not have free shipping. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So that's your shut up. Dan, do you have any money left? <laughs> nope. Or is this going to be followed for the next, like, eight weeks? Yeah, well, the followed isn't going to be here for a while. So I'll just kind of ride that one for a few months, probably. Because that, that hurt a little bit. Yeah, totally. I was waiting for the pound to get better, and then the pre-order window was closing, and the pound had not improved to the dollar. You need another Brexit, I'm telling you. Yeah. It didn't help. <laughs> Still buck seventy-seven for the dollar. It was bad. Yeah, it was a little bit painful. Uh, Ward, how about you? Uh, I picked up two GW uh, items this week. Uh, I picked up the more glass. Wow. You well found you. Uh, it's GW stuff. It's Morgas might have been like three hundred dollars for all we know. Yeah. So how much were they? They're seventy bucks on the website, but okay. Yeah. yeah. That's not a horrible price for two. Actually, not bad at all, right? To convert up two demon princes, I think it's pretty reasonable considering. I think a regular demon prince is fifty bucks. Correct, and And not a good model, and not the greatest model. I like the old demon prince. No, the new plastic one. Oh, not the new plastic one. The old metal one where he's like bending over and, and had a, a face low. that didn't look shitty. He was like leering with the horns. Yeah. That one yeah. was sweet with the power armor. Like the third Ed Demon Prince was yeah. Yeah. badass. Yeah, Demon Princes used to look really good. All the fantasy metal ones from back yeah. in the day were yeah. really solid. Um, you can still get it's in fine crap now, but the Nurgle one is still available. Oh, really? Didn't which know. is also a really nice model. Mm-hmm. So either way, more gas. Yeah, more gas for conversions. And then I also picked up the Tau Empire Codex. Ooh. Yes. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, I'm supposed to talk about Tau, aren't I? I'm excited for Tau. Moving on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, we can talk about Tau. Yeah. Mike, how about you? First of all, I'd like to start this up by saying, fuck you, Steve. Oh. Um, about 400 bucks worth of Tau that I have to update my 2002 list. Oh, oh that makes sense, though. <laughs> I, don't really, I don't really feel that bad. <laughs> So you got 400 bucks for 16 years. You it's did spend okay. 400 bucks, or you have to spend No, I have bucks. to spend 400 bucks. Question, are you replacing your broadsides? Yes. There because you that is the right choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I like the old broadsides too, no. but the new ones are amazing. The new ones are hot. <clears throat> the yeah. old broadsides where they had them coming over the top because the Crisis suits. Were I cool got back Mark then. ones, Mark twos, and then I want to get the Mark threes. I liked the forge old broadsides. That's the ones honest. I got. Yeah, underslung. Yeah, yeah. Although the new ones are just holding them like a sniper rifle is pretty sweet. The rail rifles. Yeah, they're cool. Uh, I'm guessing then you also need Ghost Kill. Yep. And then you need a bunch of Riptides. I got a Riptide already. One Ghost Kill or two Ghost Kills? Shut up. Two Ghost Kills. Go to Hell War. What about the new Stealth Suits? Or two Riptides? What? I got the new Stealth Suits. I switched them out already. Those Stealth Suits are not that That 400 was just like Ghost Kill, Cold Star, Commander. Yeah. The new Commander gets cool. Another Riptide. Three Broadsides. Then you can listen to that shitty song. While you painted, what song? On loop, Riptide. Oh yeah, Advanced Joy, Riptide. Yeah. Um, fortifications. Yeah, you do need the fortification too because yeah. that thing's super cool and can move. Yeah. Um, you're welcome. I think the answer <laughs> is you're fuck welcome. You, Steve. Fuck you. You don't. You, t- you tell me you don't like a tap. Hey, I didn't you're, you're say upset that. About I'm, I'm telling you, fuck you, Steve, because you deserved it. You started this off. I would Star- find oh, my okay. dark little corner with my money. <laughs> But between Tau and Vansars, it's going to get expensive. Uh, okay, Mike, it would have just been another You could do Vansar Joy Riptides. Also, I, wanna, I do want to say right now that without any prompting, or even, I think, playing them in the last ten years, you still managed to swap out the stealth suits. <laughs> uh, so. Right? <clears throat> like, you haven't looked at that army in probably, what, ten years? Uh, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's go five. Let's five? Go five? But that's, yeah, I, no. Maybe he was we'll, using his towel on the night the ankle thing happened. Mm-hmm. It was, I think it was about five years ago. It was about that. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I don't feel that bad at all because I'm excited to play against some Tau. Because it's an army that I don't feel like a lot of people, like people played the Riptide Wing, and I saw that a lot. Uh-huh. But I don't think people played Tau, like, you know. Do you have Tau. crew painted? Yeah, of course I do. Nice. Yeah. And that's a thing that we can. It's the new stuff I really don't have painted. That's it. The I don't. I know we don't totally talk about rumors, but this is one rumor that is too ridiculous to even like pass up. Apparently, Codex Crute. <gasps> Whoa! Yeah. Oh shit, son! I don't. Yeah, I have no idea if that's an actual thing, but with the way things have been going with GW, Codex Crute. Well, we're getting Codex Fishman, so we may as well get Codex Crute. But they yeah. are so they're so overdue for Crute Hounds and Crute Ox to yep. not be resin or metal. Yep. yep. You give them another HQ character, maybe some Demiurg and some Vespids, and that's a decent the auxiliary. Narlock, Monstrous Cavalry, yep. that's already in the fluff. Mm-hmm. So take that $400 and just make sure you... Yeah, take save, more. Some, save some for crew. Add a one to the front of it. Thanks, be fine. Fuck you, Steve. <laughs> or a zero to the end. Who knows? <laughs> I hope not a zero to the end. That's insane. It, 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 okay, it, as much as I'm loving Games Workshop, it still is Games Workshop. Yeah, totally. Like, totally. let's just say I, I went from zero to 60 with an Urgle army. <laughs> it was not cheap. Oh, easily. Or from six to midnight, to use a different metaphor. Yeah. It's absolutely. Still, it's still not cheap, depending on how old you are. <laughs> Uh, are we officially like sponsored by Viagra now? I don't know. Apparently, maybe. Okay. Uh, we should move on. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, um, I would like to. St- I'm, I'm going to do it. Gutsy or goatsy? Oh, okay. And we'll answer it at the end of the podcast. You have a little bit of chance to ruminate on it. Okay. So Steve and I played a game on Sunday oh, night. Yeah. And I know Steve's wanted to play a 2001 game for a while. So what I did? <clears throat> you have to be quiet because mm. I think they already know. Yeah. So it's just Dan. Shh. I uh, I decided to make an army, but I didn't want to do... Like, I couldn't build my second grid and clean one of the rest of the Beasts of Nurgle yet. 
So I didn't have all the models for my Nurgle demons to make up 2,000 points. So I busted out some old as fuck Death Guard models from way back when. Whoa. Yep. yep. Right? Um, and threw together a 2,000 point army. So the question I've got for you guys, Gutsy or Goatsy, or I guess Dan? Yes. Because maybe he's the only one that doesn't know? Yeah. Yep. Whether or not throwing an arbitrary, completely not thought out chunk of Death Guard into my demon army was Gutsy or Goatsy? I'm going to go with Gutsy on this one. But. We will find out later. At the end of the podcast. And admittedly, I feel like if it's anything to do with Nurgle, it should always be assumed to be Gutsy. Uh, I think it could also always assume to be Goatsy. There's a lot of... No, Slanesh would be Goatsy. Slanesh would be Goatsy. Mm, mm, I feel like if you want to have like like prolapse things falling apart and like guts coming out, that's also a little bit Goatsy sometimes. <laughs> sometimes? <laughs> like, like there's a connoisseur of Goatsy? I'm sure there is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll uh, return to that pleasant image in a little bit. Let's let's talk some uh, hobby sack mail sack. The mail sack, the hobby mail sack. Because yeah. who needs a mail bag when you get a mail sack? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that whole PG podcast thing <laughs> did not last. <laughs> yeah, it's, it never lasts. Okay, so I want to start, and I'm going to get a few of these ones out of the way. You guys know who you are. These were the less serious questions. And I just want to, we'll, we'll plow through them quick so we get to the meat of the yep. topics. Yep. And we'll get to this one, um, what are the names of the different Slayer hairdos? The fear, the, some suggestions, and this is from Michael Matthews, the furry fountain, the axe on the head. Um, any other suggestions for names for Fire Slayer or? Uh, nope, I think you nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on! Um, I'm going to skip that one. Uh, why does Red Claw require, this is from Andrew uh, Bardero. Why does Red Claw require me to wear pants at bit swaps? Uh, Dan, your answer. I think I hope that was you, Dan, or who? who answered oh, that, that was one? me. Yeah, that was a good answer. I said that's not the uh, kind of bit you're supposed to be swapping. Yes. There is, in fact, an app for that. Yes, correct. And moving on. Okay, next one. Um, this is just Luke saying. Also, Steve needs to build the jeans to our cultist army. Apparently, which cool. <laughs> yes, <laughs> get right on that. Why not? Um, I, I'd actually love one, but. Also Ours. from Luke, why is Health Goliath, Goliath the best? Uh, because if you don't like gene-balked, insane creatures that are way bigger than regular humans, ma- like smashing people. They're bigger than space marines. Yeah, they're, they're giant. Like, if you don't like that, then... In the fluff or in the models? Yes. In the fluff. There, the, the new fluff goes so far as to say there is a credible argument for classifying them as an abhuman species rather than humans. Yeah, Jesus. So, yeah, they are they're just like a, They're just a pile of meat. Yeah. There's I, a follow-up. I think Goliath is the best um, faction if all other factions weren't around. Whoa! Nice! Whoa! They also have crocodiles coming out for their pet. That's pretty cool. Mike, what's the best faction? Bansar. Sorry. You lost. Okay, there's a follow-up. How amazing would a Goliath tattoo be? Uh, as somebody that doesn't have any tattoos, I'm going to go with Ward's. It would be better than Ben Affleck's tattoo. Oh! Yes! Facts! Google, Facts. Google Ben now, Affleck's tattoo. moving on. One last question oh. as a follow-up oh. to the follow-up. Wait, Jesus. I think, I think a Goliath with Ben Affleck's tattoo would be amazing. Fact. Okay, so the follow-up <laughs> to the follow-up. Also, should it have barbed wire? Yes. Uh, I think if you're going for the Goliath thing, yes. I, I'm not entirely sure, but... Yeah, yeah. There's a pretty, you. pretty strong late '80s, early '90s vibe with Necromunda, so I would, I'd say go for it. Yeah, 
If every yeah, if if you had a gang and like every bicep had like barbed wire, yeah. that'd be pretty funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The occasional mm-hmm. tribal tramp stamp. I, I feel like he's talking about himself getting a Goliath. Oh. Yeah, I know. I we, we, we realize that. Like, okay. I don't want to. You do whatever you want, man. <laughs> you do you. Okay. So this is from James Paul. Um, who in your gaming experience has worse luck with dice than him? Now uh, that is a that is a tough one. <laughs> I don't know if that's possible. I don't think it is. We no. worked out the odds. It was three million. Two hundred fifty-seven thousand to one, or something like that. Never Ooh. tell me the odds. He, he, so he's Jason locked. Hatfield used to have really bad luck, but I haven't seen him play games. Does leaving? He, he does might leaving, have retired. Does leaving your Citadel case on a bus count as bad luck? Because that is also Jason. No, that's just mm. dumb. Um, so <laughs> I'm, I'm going to make a follow-up. Who at this table has the worst dice luck? Oh, oh, oh I, I would possibly if argue. If I play against Steve, he has bad luck. I would, That's true. It's true. That is a weird thing. I would argue me. I was going to say probably you Ward. Do you play enough games to have luck? Just no, the, what, just Drop the bad, Zone? Just the bad kind. Drop Zone, Ward has some pretty bad luck. Ward is just consistently yeah. subpar. <laughs> in, in all things. So, I'm going to ask one question right I was now. I'm talking about dice, okay? I'm going to ask one question. If you're bad at all games, can we attribute it to dice? Uh, no. no. I don't, I don't think, because you don't have, like, the spectacular James level insanity bad. No, I'm not, I don't, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm that bad, but, like, just, like, going around the table here, like. You have demoralizing dice. It's, it's sometimes yeah. painful. Yes, yes. Absolutely. Like, Dan makes some incredible rolls when he has to make invulnerable saves. His regular yeah. saves, not my, that greatest. I would say my dice have a sense of humor rather than being good or bad overall. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. man, only gamers that, like understand stats would anthropomorphize like dice rolls like that's that's you know you played a lot of tabletop games when you're yeah. at this point yeah i don't know i think that's, that question is un- unanswerable i don't think there's anybody i would have voted me really i don't know you smacked me around pretty good that had nothing to do with dice both <laughs> <laughs> not gaming uh but yeah so yeah, but you're, you swing like crazy. Like, for the, the game that we played, you, the first couple of... You just swing. Uh, the first couple of rolls you had, like, the first five were all sixes. You were just like, everything was a six. Advanced rolls, first turn. Like, it was just crazy. The thing with my dice is the rolls that don't actually really matter, I crush. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think, yeah, I'm, I'm still going James Paul. is the, the worst. Well, obviously he's worse than all of us. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so the last one. Kind of a follow-up almost. What's the craziest dice rolls you've ever had to make? Um, and then the example here. This is from Adam Tremblay. Um, we played a game in the Blood Bowl tournament, and to get a touchdown, he had to pick up the ball in a 6-plus, Yep. make three 5-plus dodges, push twice, throw on a 4-plus, catch on a 3-plus, Push, put, and then do two more go for it into the touchdown without a single reroll, and made the touchdown. Nice. That's pretty awesome. Like that. That's a lot of like six, things. five, five, two plus, two plus, four plus, three plus, two plus, two plus. I think I mathed it out, and it was about point zero five percent. So not the craziest thing in the world, but it had a lot of stages to get there. Uh, I know exactly which one's mine. Mine was uh, a. a the hell was it? Was it a Dark Eldar Archon? Can't remember who it was. It was somebody with a five up in ball. So feel no pain on a Dark Eldar Archon back in fifth. Uh, he failed his shadow field and had to like take five instant death wounds on his five up feel no pain or whatever the hell it was or something like that. Would have killed him. Uh, and I rolled five fives. And he survived, ran into a squad of tactical marines, and murdered them, won the game. Yeah. 
That's pretty happy. So for me, I don't have a very specific example, except for I used to play my Savage Orcs with a Great Shaman. Yep. And this would have been back in mostly 7th, a little bit, like 6th and 7th, a little bit of 8th. Yep. And what would happen, every single game where turn 1 tried to cast a spell, Great Shaman miscasts and blows up and dies, yep. I would win the game. Well, that's just an interesting, like, data point. That's weird. <laughs> like, every single time it happened, I'd be like, all right, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and it would be, like, super amazing, and the that's step one do you think would explode. Do you think that, like, put you on the back foot, or are you, like, totally relaxed and didn't care? Like, you're thinking, like, I'm fucked. Honestly, what it was yeah. is that when, when I played that army, when I had the magic phase, because back then you'd have souls like Wog or yeah, that yeah, kind of yeah, shit, yeah, yeah. you would kind of almost rely on the magic phase to help you out, yeah. and you'd maneuver with it in mind that, like, when this goes... It can go really well, yep. and then that just being taken away furiously to start the game <laughs> meant I actually had to play the fucking army. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, gotcha. and you had to be more responsible with how you maneuvered it, maneuvered everything and went went off from there. Interesting. So, and when you start playing a potential sledgehammer army with like wood elf level cage units, yeah, you can do some pretty crazy things. So, yep, yep, Mike. How about you? I, should we save? I feel like you have the most storied gaming career. Okay. Well, I bet you have some good ones. And it, you know what? It's with James. Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, we're playing Battlefleet Gothic. Which uh, I hear he loves. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is the reason why he has those feelings. Oh, I'm excited about this. It's a Battlefield Gothic. So, we come in, we get into the nitty gritty. I think it's the second turn. We, I get in and I'm engaging him and I'm rolling to hit and I am I kid you not I maybe got a 5% miss rate with everything <laughs> I fired everything like I mean the, that's all the rolls I did right you maybe 5% of that maybe a little less yeah. but I hit him with everything I yeah. didn't miss wounded then of course we flipped to James rolling and he made about 5% of his rolls <laughs> And I'm guessing most of these were four pluses. It was the chaos. I can't remember. Yeah, what so it four was. pluses. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he literally missed as much as I. He, yeah, it was horrible. Let's just say he, I wiped him out and turned two. It was like one of those things <laughs> where you actually clear the board and there was nothing left. And he grabbed a couple of dice and threw them off my balcony. And uh, <laughs> and then you just kind of like hold each other and sob quietly. No, for this, the next this, hour and a half. This is the worst part. Todd was there. And we started to laugh, and then Todd giggled, and then I started giggling, and then when I stopped giggling, Todd would start giggling again, and, <laughs> and it was like that for about half an hour, where we just couldn't <laughs> stop laughing, and it's just too ridiculous. And that is why James doesn't like spaceships or Battlefleet Gothic. Wow, there you go. <laughs> sure, that is a good one. That's pretty good. That's a serious ass whooping through no fault of tactics. Apparently, it was one set of rolls for one turn and. <laughs> That's amazing. Admittedly, with Battlefield Gothic, with the buckets of dice, like you're supposed to roll averages with just the column shifts. Yeah. For anybody that hasn't played that, so if you were just like, I don't care about your column shifts, I'm just going to hit with everything anyways. Yep. It would be devastating. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would just about do it. That's crazy. Ward, how about you? I can't think of anything offhand to be honest. I mean, yeah, it's just consistently subpar. <laughs> yeah. One time, one time I had to roll snake eyes, and I did. Insane <laughs> <laughs> courage. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> It's <laughs> pretty awesome. No, Moving on. <laughs> Dan? Uh, well, it's not the most unlikely thing to ever happen, but one of my favorites just for like basically when a game is over about 30 seconds in. Yeah. Because those moments can be pretty, pretty hilarious memorable. for sure. But uh, I was playing against my buddy Donald's Necrons way back in the day. 
Mm. And he had a monolith and I think a couple squads of immortals that were going to be coming in via the portal on yeah, the yeah, monolith. Yeah, yeah. So I like rolled a six to go first. My first shot, I'm like, well, I'm not going to move because I have range. So I'm just like, okay, last cannon at your monolith. Six to hit, six to pen, six to destroy. That like 500 points with the stuff in reserves is now dead. <laughs> so it was just like, oh, one shot fired and like 800 points is down. Yep. Yep. Shit. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. For anybody that does not remember uh, vehicles back in the day, if you rolled a six to like with vehicle damage, they just exploded. There was no such thing as hull points or wounds or whatever. Yep. You roll at six for damage, done. <laughs> yep. So it was just a string of like four sixes consecutively to re- eliminate something like 45% of his army in one shot. That's amazing. And then it was just like, <laughs> do we re-rack it and start over? Like literally nothing has moved since deployment. That's fantastic. Like moral high ground and just roll that shot again and keep going from there. Yeah, that's what you so, should do. Yeah, we just end up re-rolling and just replaying the game. But in our awesome. in our minds, we knew. We knew that I had won with a single shot being fired. I need to know, who shot the last cannon? That was my Salamander Dreadnought, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah before I converted his Twin Lake last cannon into being a Twin Lake auto cannon, he had Twin last cannon. I was really hoping it was going to be like a last cannon on a fucking tactical marine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like the worst thing you could ever possibly take. Because like, who would take a last single game shot. on a tactical marine back then? Anyway, single shot. Yeah, exactly. Especially in a salamander list. Yeah, that's weird. That's but awesome. Pretty, pretty like ninety nine percent sure that was my dreadnought. All right, next question. Okay, so that was it for the shenanigans. Let's get into um, a couple of the more uh, hobby focused ones. Okay. So the first one we've got from Luke. Who gave us some questions that weren't obscure. Thanks, Luke. Um, as well. Um, what's the best way to paint face paint on models' um, face that you paint? Like, we're talking like face paint, like tattoos and that kind of stuff. Yeah, so or like, like if someone's faces. got... That was a weird sentence. It was a weird sentence, but like... He did it on purpose. I'm of course sure. he did. <laughs> I, I guarantee you, just to hear me fumble through it on the podcast. But no, like, how would you paint face paint on a model? Well, it depends on what you're trying to do. Like, uh, I think if you're trying to paint, like, the Braveheart, like, blue sort of crazy face paint, it's a very different thing than, like, painting, like, a tattoo or some sort of, like, uh, actual, yeah, makeup. Um, yeah. yeah. If, you're, if you're trying to do, like, the Savage or tattoos or whatever, it's going to be a lot more, um, uh... It's easy as fuck. You block it out in blue yeah, and then you highlight it's gonna it be, up. it's going to yep. be a solid, solid color, whereas if you're doing... Like stubble or makeup Tattoos. or whatever. Then you got to mix in the flesh tones with the color you, that you're that, doing. You got to do several thin coats so that way it's not obscuring. Um, and then depending on what it actually is, like for an example, like uh, stubble on like chin. Again, you could do like a stippling effect compared to just like painting it straight on. So I've always found painting tattoos to be really interesting because when you look at like tattoos on skin, like when they try and do like a pure black tattoo, it's not pure very black. much not black. Like yeah. purple or blue. Yeah, usually purple or blue or even greens. You end up with certain like tints out of that. Yeah, it only looks like that pure black for about five seconds after being applied. <laughs> yeah, totally. and then they wipe it and then it's gone because the skin yeah. tone itself will will change slightly. Right? And it also depends what kind of dyes were used in the black as well. Yeah. yeah, so let's say, assuming we're talking about Braveheart-style face paint, I think one of the biggest things to do is make sure that whatever area you're blocking off in the color, you're highlighting up in a similar fashion you would anywhere else in the face. I was going to say, one of the things that I always have seen done well is if you kind of almost give it like an, a border outline. Like, you need to have a distinction between the so face and the face paint. So the highlight will do it. 
And like for me, this is going a little bit of the way back machine, but I had face paint on, I think every single Savage Orc in that army. Yeah. Um, and honestly, all it was was the same number of steps through the progression for the green flesh. Just I blue. did with the blue. Yeah. And then you did the large block out with the darker blue. And then like your next step was leaving a bit of a dark blue outline. Yep. Um, and then dark blue in the deep, deep recesses, giving you that separation. You know what was not a lot of fun? Was painting up the store's Urukai for Lord of the Rings. Oh, with the hand. With the hand being white over that red flesh. Oh, that I love hard. doing that. That was one that of my favorite, favorite things. That, that was okay. But, because you're, you're saying you want to do like a dark outline of whatever Yeah, tattoo I always find like you need to do that because otherwise you get this, this very stark, like, especially if you do like what I think you were kind of talking about, which is not what I mean, where it's like an actual edge highlight around the edge. That just looks weird. You have to like highlight the center of the tattoo. The face. So I mean, you start with the dark color, then bring yeah. it out. But what, what were you gonna say? But I was, I was gonna say like I, the outline itself of whatever you're painting on. I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of that. I think it's too well, like too somebody black lines it too stark. Yeah, I agree with that. Oh, well, yeah, but, right, so. but if you're doing a white hand, then you'll maybe do a gray outline. Yeah, yeah. And start off, but then then you're gonna highlight that gray. Yep. Yeah. To totally. The white. Yeah. Totally. Absolutely. That makes sense. Yeah, but back to the the tattoo thing, I still struggle with it. But like, I think a lot of the like thin paint stuff like painting with like almost like a wash with some other colors mixed in actually isn't that easy i think the key is to paint with like a shitload of glaze medium so you're basically painting like a normal acrylic that just has no pigment in it uh, and you build that up the trick with that though is not to get the thickness um, like where you start building up actual like layer thickness the other thing you can do as well is actually um that i've seen done i've tried a few times to varying degrees of success um, but not nothing that I've tried recently is doing it where you paint the tattoo as you would normally mm-hmm. on the surface after you've highlighted the flesh and then you glaze back in some of the flesh midtones. Yeah, I agree. And then kind of glaze in a few of the highlights yeah. so that you're getting that thin, mostly, um, like very translucent yeah. coverage over top. To yeah. kind of bring that together is probably one of the easier ways to approach it. The typical way that I've been actually been doing that sort of stuff, especially with like hair and stubble, which I think would be similar, um, is actually just with the airbrush. Because the airbrush gives you such a smooth finish over top of it, you don't get that thickness building up with the brush that I find can be a bit of a problem sometimes. It's possible. Um, just depending on how the model is laid out, you might have a lot of masking or other totally sub-assemblies might help for that if the head's like a separate piece. I also wouldn't do face tattoos on a 28 mil scale model. I wouldn't do face tattoos if I could help it to begin with because I think a lot it of didn't work wa- out great for Mike Tyson. I want to do face tattoos. <laughs> or did it work out amazing for Mike Tyson? I think on the bust <laughs> uh, scale stuff, especially something like the like the super sci-fi kind of thing, like doing the under eye, like almost tech kind of looking tattoo, like, like a subdural kind of implant style thing Yeah, um, would be really really cool and i think would actually look awesome to do with the airbrush that kind of thing yeah tattoos on 28 mil scale you don't see a lot of you do see stubble unless you're darren latham i think yeah uh, yeah but i mean with since he seems to be really gung-ho about necromunda uh it it does make sense for necromunda like gang tattoos and such right so i would try it a little bit more um but again i would build up like the layers because again you don't want to you want to avoid that paint build up to, to create thickness. Yeah, totally. So, totally. Yeah, I think I think those two core techniques will be either more with tattoos than the face paint, but with tattoos you want to either be mixing a flesh tone into the paint or glazing it over the top afterwards to make it subtle. Yeah. Mike, I know this is a little bit off, but your towel have like the equivalent of like face paint. Like, like they've got the crazy <laughs> like jagged. Yeah, yeah, all of them do, but I did a black line in between it to separate it. 
That looks good. Yeah. But I guess that's also like the craziest, brightest colors you can do is white and like orange red. So that might be, it might also matter, I think, also for your colors that you're picking. Like with your orcs, black line probably wouldn't matter. The greens that are pretty dark and blues that are generally fairly dark. The, bl- the blues are actually quite bright. By the when way. you highlighted them, but the, the main blue color yeah. wasn't crazy bright. Yeah. So I don't think you need that separation. It also, the other thing to really keep in mind is that anything, anything that we say, paint to your style, right? Like if you totally. are having, if your style involves a lot of black lining, then it might make more sense than if your style involves a lot of subtle transitions. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So knowing how you want to paint. Because that you black lining paint. looks like striking. Like the ta- there's a reason why the tower, you know, featured in White Dwarf and all that sort of stuff. Like they look good. Yeah, but that, do I you wanted want to contrast, look- so, but I wanted that contrast between the two plates. Yep. So that's you got that, it. That was the way to achieve <laughs> that. But for face paint, I think you need to be a little more simple because somebody's not going to go and put a big black stripe down their nose and then paint half blue and then <laughs> leave the other half green or whatever. I'm flashing mean, back to Star it, Trek episodes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's black on the wrong side and white on the wrong side. Yeah. Kill him. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that, that was I, quite a waste. I was thinking of Mimi from the Drew Carey show. So just <laughs> also a great okay. example of face paint. Yeah. I think we've I think we've killed that one. Let's yeah. Move on. <laughs> it's it's been shot out of the sky. So I know we've talked about this a little bit before, but Tim Bagu asks. What is sketch painting, and why should I try it? Ah, I so, haven't done a lot of sketch painting. So I think there's... I hear a lot of people talking about sketch painting or sketch style, and they are typically... They're specifically referring to value sketching through grayscale, like yeah. black to white. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And... Then you bring colors your, in with That's watches. your sketch... And then you'll glaze colors in to make it mm-hmm. have actual color variation. Yep. That is what often what most people talk about when it comes to, like, sketch painting. Yep. Um, however, that's not necessarily true in terms of, like, actually what it... Like, there's other definitions for it. So, like, if uh, um, Alfonso was talking about it, it's often in terms of, like, getting a mood out of a model quickly. So... It'll often include a lot of grayscale, but not necessarily. It's just about getting the, like, sketching in your values. You could use colors. You don't necessarily have to just use grayscale. But the quickest possible avenue to that model telling a story is how he often refers to sketching and painting. That makes sense. So it's not about having smooth transitions. It's not about having blends and his other shit. It's just about, like, can you look at this model and, and it tell a story? And can you do it in a short period of time? I would I would say the mood is is a big thing for for the sketch painting again like really quickly uh, you're not worried about uh, blocking out colors necessarily a lot of colors will overlap and blend with colors that normally wouldn't so y- you don't see necessarily a lot of definition in parts depending on how crazy you want to get with the sketching and a lot of mixing of the colors I find with sketch painting so you're not just taking colors right out of the pot you're mixing your own colors on a palette and applying those colors, uh, like you did with um, your Black Sun Mini, right? Where mm. it just naturally occurred that you got some greens out of the skin tones and that sort of thing, right? So Yeah, so I think I'm going to go on a limb and guess that this is referring specifically more to what Matt DiPietro has been talking a lot about online with that like um, sketch style painting he's been doing, um, which does harken back a little bit to the stuff like what Alfonso does, but specifically what you're trying to do is... Without using any color, 
quickly get good values on the model and values referring to like how much light is being reflected in different areas. So just between black and white. Um, and then, so the way that he, that he teaches to do that is you start with a black primer, you give it the white kind of zenithal prime. Yep. And then from there you have white, you have black paint and you darken the recesses where it should be darker and you lighten um, the highlights with the white where it should be lighter, and then you're just doing thin glazes of paint to give you color. Should you try it? If you want to. I would say it's not necessarily what you want out of a gaming piece, but if you're going for busts or dioramas or any of those very narrative, again, storytelling kind of pieces, especially if they're designed to be viewed from one angle, that could be a good way to go. So not necessarily a utilitarian. Yeah, it's not my it's not my favorite style at it's, all. It's not my say. favorite style, but it, it's if you're having troubles like painting fast. I mean, like maybe I should look at sketch style myself, but I like the clean like look myself. So yeah, my idea has always been like if you're doing a sketch of a scene, it's something you know you've got like a single graphite pencil and you're kind of quickly blocking in some general shapes and, and colors and that kind of stuff. I think half the fun of painting is is actually like color application. I think. For me, doing just a black and white miniature, I couldn't. I couldn't see that being fun. Well, you would be leaving it that way. No, I realize that, but like that whole process, like I think the amount of time to like actually take the black and some whites and actually like go through and highlight and and paint in those colors and then just do a simple glaze kind of thing, like that's not my idea of fun, and I don't think I would get a lot of it outside of like an exercise to improve my painting. So I think it has a lot of value if you're having a hard time figuring out where your highlights should go. Yeah, probably. Because one of the things yeah, that... Yeah. Um, like I said, <clears throat> an exercise to improve your painting, probably not a bad call. Because um, one of the interesting things that um, that I learned from that Alfonso class a couple years ago was when he's working on models, he likes to take the take a photo of it, shift it all the way to, to just black and white, and see if it makes sense. Yeah. So regardless of the color, does it look... Like it would, like it makes sense. See, that makes sense because then you're just measuring light contrast, like where things bounce off of like surfaces where the model's sitting in its environment. Yeah. And I get that. Like but if you're having a hard sense. time getting from A to B, there, starting with that kind of like sketching it out a little bit, sure, yeah, um, can be useful. The only thing that I would say is that that style works really well for fantasy maker or fantasy figures. Yeah, um, figures, miniature, miniature, miniature figures. Yeah, miniature figures. That's Close enough. Totally what I meant to say. Yeah. Um, but like I, so he did that a lot for some mercenary models, yeah, which looked really good because the mercenary models are a little bit dirtier; they're a little bit more rugged for a war machine. For, for war machine, yeah, not familiar. Um, and they look fantastic. Yeah, I don't think it's something that would make a lot of sense for Space Marines. And I think a lot of that comes to, for me anyway. Comes back to um, in my head, it comes back to the um, the square basing versus the round basing from Games Workshop, where. A lot of non-metallic miniatures especially would work really well on a fantasy figure where the shape of the base kind of Dictates gives you the cue to totally. be like, oh, this is the way that it's pointing forward. Yeah. Whereas a 40K model, you can turn it freely on the round base and yeah. you don't really have as obvious a cue for which direction to hold it from. Unless but, you're uh, painting the Sanguinor, in which case it just looks amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying. I, yeah, sketch painting, not my thing. If you have trouble with highlighting and like light application... Probably not a bad idea, but I, I think it's one of those things. It's non-metallic metals. It's a bit of a fad right now. It's not necessarily non-metallic, but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's it, non-metallic was a fad in my mind. Like Still it's, is. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool when you can do it, and sometimes it works out well, but it, it's totally, yeah. 
Yeah, and I think the punchline for me, if it's a stylistic choice where you like the way, let's say you really love the way that um, some of the models done well in this style look, yeah, go ahead and try it. The only thing that I would caution is doing a black model, like black, prime it black, airbrush or or airbrush, sp- yeah. or spray bomb or whatever yeah. your white. Do a couple of quick little highlights and a couple of quick little lines of black. Cover it with some inks and call it sketch style because that's not it. Like it's you have to put the thought of like where's the light actually falling? Where's where are the actual shadows? What should this look like? Yep. Does it look like a completely painted black and white model before you put the the color on? You're making the exact same point with non-metallic metal. Non-metallic metal is not just brown highlighted through to yellow. Yeah, right? like yeah, like you have to think about it. A lot more than I think. I've seen a lot of examples of people say this is sketch style online, yeah, and it's just not. Yeah, it's some so thin it's, washes it's applied sketchy to style because <laughs> it's sketchy. Yeah, but like you have to put a lot more thought into it than I think um, is really let on for a lot of people because it's not just fucking black and white. Yep. You really have to think about where your colors should be. Yeah, last thing I'm going to say on this is back to, like, classical canvas painting. A lot of painters uh, had a lot of sketches, and the only sketches that really matter are the absolute best of the best painters, right? Like, a mediocre painter, his sketches aren't really selling for a lot. You know what I mean? Like, typically, you can get a better result doing a traditional, more normal-style painting, if you want to call it that. And then by the time you get into the sketch-style stuff, like pointillism and that kind of thing you move into like a completely different realm of painter, right? Like the average person isn't going to achieve that. I think that's a lot of the same thing here. Like don't get caught up in it. It's not necessarily the most important thing. And I think that's probably a pretty fair point is that it's often billed as a very easy way to paint. Yep. It's actually a really easy way to paint if you already understand what your value should look like. Yeah, maybe. Not but, if, but if you're not, but if you're not like at, this level, I don't know if it's yeah. necessarily that useful. Yeah. And, like, I don't even know if I'm necessarily, like, comfortable looking at a black and white model and being like, yeah, okay. Yeah, like, exactly. I, like, I got that nailed. Oh, fuck no. No, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't <laughs> want it. I wouldn't find that fun. Anyways, next one. Oh. oh got a phone. One. I got the phone. It's okay. Um, so, the, the last one I'd like to talk about uh, today mm-hmm. is a question from Ryan Montgomery. Okay. Which is, if you could learn to paint all over again, what advice would you give yourself to take your painting from tabletop standard to the next level? Oh, man. Like starting from scratch? No, I, I think what he means is you, you have it at tabletop. You want to go on to the next level. Yeah, but you're starting at, like, if you could start over, it was what he said at the beginning, like you so, some sort of technique generally. Yeah, and so I've been talking with Ryan a little bit uh, about kind of ways to approach taking that next step yeah and you know for me a lot of it the advice i was starting with is like take it back to basics get your clean base coats yeah and work out from there yeah and i think for me i i think the question and the way that i would answer it is when i first tried to take that push from you know dry brushing my iron warriors into like what the the following and su- like the subsequent armies were yeah was that it was all about layering and lots of like the process yeah. it was this very much like start dark get really light and this ambiguous space in between yeah what i would probably tell myself from you know 15 years ago yeah 
would be fucking don't do that. Find your mid-tone you want for every color. Yeah, okay. Like, whatever it is you want that color to look like, base coat it that color. Now your model's good. Now you're going to shade it down and give it a couple highlights. Because I think in a lot of cases, I would always start with some, like, ambiguous dissociation from where the finished product was going to be instead of looking at, like, what are the what is the actual color I want this to be? It's yeah. not about what is the progression that gets me to the color that I want, but like, what color is this? Is this does this need to be snot green? Yeah, I kind of does know this need saying. to be dark angels green? I, I'm going to go a little bit more like specific and a little more concrete. I think for myself, it would be glazing. Like, I, I kind of when I started like, okay, my tabletop stuff I thought was okay. I guess starting with some of my old dark eldar, uh, like before this dark eldar army, but the previous iteration. I uh, started doing, like, the edge highlighting thing, and, you know, it was all that crazy, like, super stark, every edge, super highlighted. Like, my Salamander is a great example of that. Like, they're flat green, every edge highlighted, it's not green. Um, I think where it started getting a little bit better was actually, like, shading down. Like, I think the edge highlighting was fine. It was the adding shadow. That was the tough part for me. It was actually figuring out that part. Does that make sense? How about you guys? Yeah. <sighs> I think it's it's hard to just pick one. Exactly. Right? Yeah, I agree. Um, then don't pick two. Okay, I'm gonna pick two. One is I wish I had realized how much qual brush quality made and how well you can paint things. Okay. Or how yeah. easy it will paint. So I don't cheap out on your brushes. It's not worth it. It's gonna maybe it costs more, but it's gonna save you time. It's gonna be easier for you and everything else. But the other thing is is don't show fear when you're trying something new. You might screw up that model, but you know what? Plow ahead and try it anyways because the only way it's going to get better is practice. Yep. And that would that be the, true. that would be one of the biggest things for me to go forward is don't be scared to paint this model this way because you don't know. Well, maybe you don't know. Give it a shot. Yep. Yep. If it doesn't work, okay, lesson learned. Next step to making it better would be so you if might wreck a model, but you're going to get better. That's what test models are And you're going to get better a lot faster if less, or you agonize over two weeks and you've only put two colors on the model. Yep. You're not getting any better. Get, get <laughs> test models. Yeah. Test models well, are great. Exactly. But not but, even, I, if I'm like, I totally agree with that, but for me, it's not even test models. It's just fucking paint an army. Yeah. Because after ultimately fucking it up yep. for 60 to 100 models... You'll have a better understanding of really how it was fucked. Yeah, I mean, this is this is yeah. shitty advice, but it was like that whole like ten thousand hour thing, right? Yeah, but to me, that's that that is the big thing. Don't show fear. Don't hesitate. <laughs> Just do model. it. Try it. If it doesn't work, okay. <laughs> hey, next time we know better. Let's go on to the next step. And then each time you do that step, you're 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 progressing towards yeah, a better sure. quality. Totally, okay, I job. could not agree more. That because there's so many times I'll look at something in the past and I'd go, Jesus Christ, this this model scares the shit out of me. I don't know how I'm going to paint it. And you know what? That model would sit in the cabinet just primed yeah. for months. I had a Gaskell model that was that way, and I was in super intimidated to start it. And I'm pretty sure I, I gave it to Tom. I don't know if I have your <laughs> nice. So I think that was that was my solution was if you're intimidated by a model and you don't know where to start, just give it to somebody else, and it's their problem. Okay, but I was, you kind of mentioned like. The, I think the whole point, like this next level thing, like everybody's getting better. Like just keep painting. Yeah. Like I don't, Practice. I don't know if there's ever a next level. Like, I really like hate it when somebody says better. to me, "I'm never going to be able to paint as good as you." And I go, 
oh, you've been painting for 30 years? Wow. Like, okay, you told you give up, bad. It's that's not going to happen. Well, no, I've only been painting for five years. I'm like, all right, come and complain to me again in 30. Yeah, exactly. Right? I was totally. Gonna, I was going to say, agree. conversely, there's always another level. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's sure. Yeah, progression's <laughs> fine. But, like, I think that's a really important point is just paint. Ward, how about you? I know words. I, can I say yours and then you can say your real one? <laughs> Okay. If you have an army half painted, reprime don't it. reprime it. <laughs> don't fucking reprime it. That, that's a good especially one. when it looks good. And <laughs> I think to tie in with that is um, get a notebook, uh, find an app that works good for you. Write down the colors that you really like. Yeah, that's fair. Um, just because there's been color combinations that I'm like, oh yeah, that's really good, and then couple years down the road you're like how the fuck did I do that if I'm looking to add to the army color selection's like, a big I'm, deal like yeah. 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 I, I'm going through that with the fatigues on my Raven Guard guy because I, I think I know what paints I used four years ago to mix to make that color mm-hmm. but they don't make those colors anymore yeah. So I'm really like I've tried like 20 paints to color match yeah. the green and it is not happening. So and with paint ranges changing so often, if you're if you're looking at an army, work hard on that single army before jumping to something else because yeah, paint ranges will get canceled. And then you're like, ah oh, shit, I need way more leprous brown, and I don't have it. So, <laughs> what the hell are you painting that was leprous brown? So I'll rebrand the Thousand army. Thousand Suns. All of his, uh, all of his yellow. You were doing a lot kings, of yellow and gold as well. Kings. Yeah, now, this is the problem. You were doing two armies with leprous brown. Yes, and then Good they choice. were like, and discontinued. So, although yeah. so mediocre, I, th- I feel that that got me discouraged. So, yeah, or is it? I, I, I thought you played. Uh, what are they called? Not not scourge chaos. Drop zone. What? It was a bad joke. Yeah, moving on. You said um, no, PHR. PHR, there we go. Why, why, uh, that was the we, joke that I didn't have. Why don't I even know what I play? Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I think, honestly, one of the things that was really interesting kind of for me in, in the same vein as, as Mike and Ward here is that I didn't have enough money to buy a new army until I had the one that I had. Like, when I first started yeah. playing these games, yep. like, my Wood Elves, that was my army. I did not have another army yeah, until my I army was done. Saved up and bought the Tyranid uh, boxed army, like the, you know, $300 sets they used to sell. Yeah. And you're like, that's my 1,200-point army. Or I got my done. Chaos Army when they had the Bits auction, and they were yeah. selling off the, like, eh, like before the, or right after the new Chaos Warrior kit came out. Yeah. They sold the starter army that had the shitty old Chaos Warriors in it. Oh, nice. Bought that for half price. But, like... I, I feel like I didn't have the option to bounce around then like I do now. Because mm-hmm. I'd buy a project, and that's all I could afford. Yeah, Mike's, Mike's got the best piece of advice, is paint models. Just, <laughs> just paint models. Just, just paint, and paint lots. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think my advice would be, it was something that I did right up in the very beginning of when I started painting. Because mm-hmm. uh, I was a fairly slow painter anyway, so I sometimes did have the money catch up to the progress. But I was working on... <laughs> Rare I was, problem. I was working on Ultramarines at the time. Like, uh, I just started right at the end of 2nd edition, moving into the beginning of 3rd edition, working on Ultramarines. But in between projects, I would often, like, if I, you know, finished everything that I had and still had some money left over or whatever, that's when I started buying Dogs of War models. Like, I'd be like, those models are freaking cool. They have they nothing are. to do with my Ultramarine army or those color schemes or whatever, but it's like, I know where you're going with this. Those models look sweet and I want to paint them. So like I was actually just painting things that I wanted to paint yep. a lot of the time instead of trapping myself, always painting something functional. Yep. Like, Oh, I need these 30 troopers for my, for my army. I need to do, you know, this, whatever. I was, that is something I have a 
ton of trouble with because if you want to play the game like whatever game you might be playing you probably need to paint models for your army of some variety um and painting things that you are just like completely out of left field just because you want to paint them is actually kind of hard when you you know you have a job or whatever else yeah or you're not inspired by those models themselves totally yeah Yeah. so i used to so i used to break things up a lot by yeah painting just random models that i thought looked cool i didn't care about the rules i didn't know how to play fantasy I wasn't building a legal or tournament competitive army or anything like that. I was just like, Vespero's Vendetta. Those models look badass. I'm going to paint them. And I'm going to learn how to paint a different style of models along the way from what I was doing for my army. But that's just another variation of what Mike said. Paint more models. Paint different stuff. Like, just paint tons. But it was more like paint stuff that you're passionate about. Yeah. That you really want to learn how to do rather than just feeling like this is what... I have to be doing for some bullshit reason. Yeah, and I think that's a good Paint point. Things that keep you excited. And I think that's a good point. So you don't burn out. Yeah, people that I, are good painters like painting. Yeah, like if you find out partway through that you just you know you hate it, don't do it. Like yeah. that's the other thing. It, it's you only have so much free time in in you know your day or whatever. Don't do it. If you like playing the game and you like mm-hmm. the miniatures, there's plenty of uh, of services that will help you paint your miniatures up. Yeah, and I think maybe that's actually getting to the point where. That I've never, I've never really articulated in this way, but oftentimes you will find your top tier painters yeah. are very rarely your top tier tournament players. Oh yeah, and oftentimes people will say it's oh it's because they spend more time painting than playing and they don't have the experience, they don't have the knowledge. But like I can say very comfortably for me, it's like I just don't want to paint something that I don't want to paint. Which oftentimes historically has been the better units, oh totally, or the better armies. So I'll go to my way. I could like, not agree more. Fuck that noise! I'm going to paint these guys instead because they look cool. Because I'm going to enjoy painting it more. Mm. You know what? You, and then you run into those competitive players. They're like, "Oh, why did you take that unit? It's garbage. You should have taken this." And it's just like because I already wrong, or, or what's had wrong with you? Why did you do that? I'm because like, I already painted dude, twenty. I had of the good fun ones. with this. Shut up! <laughs> like yeah, exactly. I know to the core I don't want to paint, paint a guard army. That like <laughs> straight up a really competitive way to play Nurgle Demons right now in 40k is to have three or four units of thirty plague bears. Yeah, they're good. There is no fucking. Way. I'm gonna paint more than one. Yep. I could <laughs> like, agree more. Straight up. So that means that. if Tom doesn't play the competitive army, my mediocre roles might pay off. I think you'll be okay. You'll be fine. <laughs> Fingers you'll crossed. Be okay. As yeah, long no, as you I can do with multiple agree. red and clean ones, because I do want to paint that model. <laughs> yeah, that's a little. That's that'll it'll do fine. <laughs> and yeah, I'm so, not worried. So I think just the final point to wrap that one up was. Just to say that I feel like I learned more painting things I was passionate about totally than I did just painting the same, you know, army standard or even when it came to um, some of the like contest figures like Golden Demon entries and stuff like that. I feel like I did better and learned more doing things that I was excited about rather than something I thought was going to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So chasing your passion rather than necessarily the more utilitarian, like goal oriented stuff. Yeah. For me, that was um, better for my progression and. I know that I've burnt out for like months or years at a time by doing it the wrong way and yep. not by doing shit that I'm actually excited about. So I would like, I just, I sometimes think like, Oh, what if I hadn't forced myself to paint like whatever hundred of this guy in six months or six weeks for a tournament or whatever, and then just sworn off painting for a year and a half. Like where would I have been if I was sensible, did things in a reasonable time frame, did things I was excited about and not have those big gaps in my like hobby career. Well, that's one of the reasons entirely that I, uh, like, generally take off my summers and do other things. Like, if I just was painting, I, I don't have the ability to sit or uh, sit and paint like you do, Mike. Like, you 
don't seem to get sick of it ever. I do, but that's because I'm. But now I'm switching it up all the time. Sort of like Dan, yeah. I'll okay. Yeah. I'm working on my ultramarines now. Okay, yeah. now let's screw that. I'm going over to Nurgle for a while, and that's why you get those long gaps where I might not actually finish anything for a while. But then all of a sudden it'll come up and bang! I'll finish forty guys off, and like it seems like oh wow. <laughs> And this refers to one of the questions. Maybe it's not us. It's not us, man. Yeah, I totally fucking. Dan is literally on the floor crying right now. <laughs> Finished painting uh, forty miniatures. Oh, we got you. Don't worry. Yeah. Don't worry. Um, and I think to kind of summarize, maybe in more functional way, what I was saying is. Stop thinking about it as much as like this process. You need to like find like all of these transitions and all of that other thing. Simplify your painting. Yeah. Because you're going to learn a lot more from how can I make this look good with one shade and one highlight than you ever will with like 16 layers of transition. Totally. Yep. I agree. Uh, all right. Do any more questions or are you going to make it, Dan? If you're just really passionate about banging out and finishing 40 guys, go for it. You do you, man. <laughs> um... Uh. Okay, I so fully support it. Mike, this is a great opportunity for you to answer the question. And this one is from uh, Christopher Fedor. Why Mike always grumpy? Steve, Tom, Dan, Ward, Barnaby, Drew, <laughs> Kim, Keith, is, is that the order James. as well? That? No, I'm just, just oh, looking around. Okay, I feel else. good about that because it was like, boom, right at me. I was first, as a side note. So. <laughs> Thanks. I didn't okay. hear you. Love you too, man. Um, what's uh, next? Okay, so we're at an hour six. I think Mike's got a codex in front of him. Let's answer one more question. And this, uh, and this is from uh, Trevor. Is it Verhulst? I don't sure. fucking know. Verhulst. <laughs> Please well, correct us on the pronunciation of your last yeah. name. We've only known um, you forever. Yeah, it's like, I've only hung out with you in Vegas before. It's no big deal. Um,. What are the top two to three things that I need to know when first starting a Tau army? Okay, first of all, uh, close combat is great. Uh, you want to be in close combat all the time. <laughs> uh, oh, and you don't need to use cover. Secondly, stand in the open, in a line, and run yeah. towards the opponent. Yeah. Um, I've seen that used to great effect in the past. Uh, Thanks for that tip, Drew. Yeah. yeah, Drew, that's all you. It actually uh, screwed John out of a lot of secondary points because he tabled Drew before he could get a lot of the secondary objectives. Yeah, you can deny your opponent <laughs> points by losing too quickly. Uh, it's true. <laughs> Solid tactic. Uh, the other thing um, I was going to say is don't take any of the battle suits because they typically play too fast and you don't want that. But kill too many things. Yeah, yeah, and th- yeah. and you, and anything with jump packs and big guns is a waste of time. Pretty much fly in in eighth edition. This is terrible. You don't want any rules with fly. Never comes up. Yeah, never comes up. Not it's important. It's a pretty useless rule. Um, yeah. Okay, so now that we've done the whole sarcastic thing, uh, actually the Tau Codex. A lot of people are are not super pumped on it, but I think the reason people aren't pumped on it is the whole fact that battle suits like the Riptide and the Ghost Keel aren't the be-all end-all of the book. Yeah. The infantry are solid again. Especially with a lot of the different SEPs. SEPs? SEPs. S-E-P-T-S. Having different rules that greatly benefit your basic fire warriors, your breacher squads. And that's more a general point of 40k right now in a lot of ways, I think, is 
Infantry. Yep. So if you want light heavy infantry, this is a good way to go. But I still think you need some suits or something because you're going to need some of the stronger shots to help deal with people who are maybe mechanized. Or taking Dawn Eagle jet bikes. Yeah. God damn those fucking Dawn Eagle jet bikes. We'll talk about that later. Uh, Uh, I almost almost feel like the the SEPs are kind of like a throwback to... uh, What could you choose in the old Space Marine Codex? The Chapter Tactics. Yeah, they are the uh, same. Yeah, they are chapter systems, tactics, right? Yeah. So totally. Where you're just like, hey, this is the style of play that I want to focus on. So if you have an idea of uh, which sept you like, yeah, um, you can kind of base your list building uh, really securely around that. Yeah, frontline gaming. Uh, like they've talked a lot about like when you're picking a new army uh, and looking at a new codex. Look at the. Uh, like the the chapter tactics or the um, Forge World dogmas or whatever you're looking at for your particular army. Look at the Tau Seps. Mm-hmm. Look at those first, and then the stratagems, and sort of build your army around those sort of things. Because any like super good army uh, that's going to be top tier is going to have those stratagems. It's going to make use of. You'll have synergy right away. Yeah, you got to at least look beneficial. at that for sure. And the other thing about eighth is you need you need infantry. You need your army to look like the like used to be much maligned like the battle force armies. Or you had a little bit of infantry, a little bit of big stuff. That's kind of what you need. Um, The other thing that I would say is that you're going to look at your army and be really tempted to say, I can make a battle, like a gun line that's going to destroy everybody. And you will... But you're not going to get a lot of the, of the ITC points doing that. You need to be more mobile. Or even the GW points. Yeah. Like, yeah. GW's um, uh, Maelstrom of War stuff, you're going to need to be able to go out and get stuff. Like, you're going to need Devilfish. You're going to need stealth suits, because that's probably your stuff that's going to be able to run up and actually hold objectives. Yeah. And you need stuff that's mobile enough that can get up there and then, and then be thrown away. Yeah. So I think what we're basically trying to say is you can go one way or the other. You can go heavy battle, so you can go heavy infantry. But if you want to be perform well you should have a little bit of everything you can still be heavy in something but make sure you take yep something to counter that you're going to need some heavy weapons yeah don't skew yeah balanced is the best way to play yeah three riptides or whatever it's still probably good (laughs) especially the riptides kill a lot of shit besides about the storm surges and stuff like that yeah Yeah, storm surges are still good like they're they're not bad for their points Uh, but you don't see imperial knight armies winning tournaments because they're not super balanced right now. Like we'll see with the armature coming out or whatever, but it comes back to yeah, take some take some stuff that can go grab objectives. And you the, the way objective secured works for all armies mm-hmm. is its number of models around the objective. If you both have objective secured, it comes down to that. So you want generally units of, you know, ten models. Like that's that's useful to hold on objective, because then you can just physically box somebody out for that turn. Yep. Um, so start with some infantry. Pick up some battle suits you like. I, I don't think anything in there is particularly atrocious. No. Um, maybe still st- want the cold start commander, though. <laughs> yeah, the commander is, is great. Like, there's a reason why they've limited them to one per <laughs> Battleforge attachment for match play. Um, so take a cold start. But I think a good core, Mike, you and I were talking about this, is the cold start commander, the uh, fire blade, and yep. then three units of whatever kind of infantry you want. Yep. Typically, there you go. You're ready to rock, and anything else is extra after that. Yeah, two battalions of that, and maybe a fortification, or even three battalions of that. It's pretty cheap for initial investment yeah. for getting twelve command points, and then season to taste. Season to taste, yeah. Whatever battalion you want to do, maybe the more long range thing. You can. I can't remember the name of the seps. That's they're all new, so sorry. And they're, they're all no, they're not new. Largely unpronounceable. They've always been there. They've been around. Sorry, like the the main Tau sept, the whatever the Montka one is or whatever. But I thought the main Tau sept was Tao. Yeah, sure, Tao. 
Tejano. Yeah, it's, it's the different home home world. So home yeah, right. that was my favorite thing about working at GW is people coming in. Like, did you notice that the coloring for the, the Vorla, which is what I picked in two thousand two, is kind of like my color scheme? It's red and white. Perfect. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Vorla. They might Vorla. have based it I want to take credit for that now. Okay. I was going to say that you Vorkan. were you were an official GW publications. It might be you. <laughs> they might they might be trying to make some continuity out of that. Like you. I'm hoping. Yeah, it's possible. Can, it's possible. I think for me, um, honestly, the best way to start an army is to get a mix of things. You're not going to love every unit that you have long term, but you're going to learn how you want to play it. Yep. So have a unit of breachers. Have a regular unit of fire warriors. Have some stealth suits. Like strike teams. Yep. Just start with a very general army, and then start spamming into things as you know that you like them. Yep. And uh, and honestly, the get started boxes that GW's been pumping out as well. They save you money. They're getting pretty right? good. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. And you'll tr- try it out. Try all the units. Like, you're saving money. You're getting something for free anyway in that box set. Why not? Yeah, totally. Is it still the case that you need to magnetize your battle suits? Yeah, I think you should with everything. With the weapon options? Um, yeah. I don't think... I Like, you don't need to. I don't think there's any standout... I mean, f- fusion blasters on the Crisis Commander is great. Uh, that's not going to be a bad thing. You deep strike them and then you go character hunting. Uh, and they're scary with two twin fusion blasters. But why wouldn't you? Because every edition changes, which exactly. is really yeah. good. And so. Exactly. And with all the suits, I mean, it gives you essentially four hard points. Uh, so, like, you pick a couple weapon options, a couple um, Systems. Uh, system up- upgrades. Yeah, so plasma's system up- cool. System upgrades are pretty generic for, like, the model pieces themselves. You can kind of get away with anything being representative of that. But the weapons themselves, yeah. If you magnetize those, it's that's kind of the thing about eights. Is every weapons has its place. Like flamethrowers are cool. Um, plasma guns are great. Tau plasma guns are pretty darn good. Like, yeah, I'd, I'd say you should magnetize them. Okay, because that back in the day, the Tau were sort of one of the first armies to really bring that into the forty k yeah. culture. Because you could have all these units of battle suits where you might want the death rains or the fire knives or whatever. Oh, and that's the other thing. I don't know if it's still the case, but there used to be like this really really special and specialized and universal. Like, everybody knew that played Tau knew what you meant when you had this, like, nomenclature where a, a death rain was twin link missile Missiles, pods. yep. And the fire knife was the missile pod plasma gun. Like yep. The, I remember that. Oh, was it the Helios was, like, plasma fusion? Like, there was this They called that out in, in White Dwarf. Yeah, it was, like, yeah. this whole yeah. shorthand for all the weapon combinations, and it made discussing the army so automatic and great. Yeah. I like so. how none of your combinations included a flamer. The it's plasma true. one didn't did did not or was it fusion? The, there was a death ring configuration back in the day that had a flamer. Yeah, I can't remember what it was called. But it had the flamer and the twin link missile pods. Just because he had to take a third system, yeah. and it was like I don't really need anything with. I got to pay for the pods. cheapest thing, so flamethrower. Yeah, yeah, it was cheap and utilitarian, so that was pretty common as well. But like that used to be part of the whole magnetizing was people they had all these different yeah. pre-configured combinations that had different roles, and then they would just swap out the magnets for the weapons and your battle suit could be whatever you needed from one game to the next. Yeah. And so having six battle suits that are fully magnetizable is it's a lot cheaper than all you're ever going to need. It's a lot cheaper than having yeah. 20 battle suits. Yeah. And yeah. way less painting. Yeah. The other the last point I'll way make cool is uh, if you're really really worried about starting the army and like making sure your point your your money, I just about called money points. Um, actually goes towards the most efficient um, sort of thing you can you can buy uh, and actually play games well is get the best coast pairings app and take a look at a player named uh, Paul McKelvey. He is a diehard Tau player that's been playing uh, like pure Tau um, for ages and he's been 
like top Tau player in the ITC. He has he's an excellent player. He's the guy that absolutely crushed me at the LVO where I went five and one. Um, take a look at what he's playing. The Best Coast pairing app. You can you can check out his list. Uh, if you sort of emulate that, you probably won't go wrong. So I have one last piece of um, less advice and more um, kind of a if you want your tie, your Tau to have good luck with the dice. You need to go to the back of the book. I don't know if they have it in this codex, but they did back in third ed, where they had a um, like the actual alphabet relative to ours, and you need to make sure that on every Tau vehicle you write "Live sucks" they in do, the they, Tau alphabet. They do have the Tau alphabet again on this one. Nice, and you're going to get far better luck with your die rolls than if you don't have that on there. Live sucks. Live sucks. Like Why? the band. Live. It's a band. Okay. Lightning crashes. You know what I mean. I do, but I'm confused. Well, way back in the day, there was a certain person that worked at Games Workshop who may or may not have been a manager that really loved that band. And there was some staff who, much like most of the rest of the world, did not. I really didn't like live, so in in Tau font, I painted live sucks on a hammerhead. Nice. Well yes. done. Well yeah. done. And it's, to my understanding, was for, never caught. For the store display army. <laughs> yeah, for one of the cabinet ones. It was been in the display. I think that army might still be in the display. No, I'm sure it's gone now. It's been quite a few years. Some of those armies have stuck around. It's like the Eldar. Whole. Yeah. The Eldar look good. Anyways. Yeah, the Tau, pick up whatever you want. Be good. And have fun. Yep. And also, the other... My other last, last thing is... <laughs> <laughs> wow. um, make sure you come play games with us. Yep. Yep. And then totally. tell us how to pronounce your fucking last name. Because <laughs> I feel really bad right now. <laughs> I should know better. Okay. But apparently I don't. No, you don't. We have one last thing that's not related to Tau. No. Okay. Gutsy or Goatsy? Yeah. Oh, it was so Goatsy. It was bad. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. So the, the, the demon portion of the list worked Good. very much how I thought it would. Like the great and clean one. Took a lot of heat before he went down. Did a little bit of work himself. Yep. The Plague Bears took way more than their 200 points worth to take them out. Oh, yeah. They killed um, way more than their 200 points. And held too. objectives. The, the Nurglings were really great for getting me the recon points. Yep. And the Plague Bears had no role in the army other than being 400 points of standing on objectives in my backfield. They did sweet fuck all. The Plague uh, Bears or the Plague Marines? Plague Marines, sorry. Yep. Yeah. Plague Marines. The Demon Prince was cool, um, but yeah, Plague Plague Marines is like, I'm going to stand an objective and be 200 and some odd points for a unit that's just going to occasionally plink bolter shots around. Like, cool. <laughs> Unrelated. So I was reading the Codex after the game. Yeah. Turns good, out... Good plan. They have a special rule where they get to rapid fire within 18 inches, not 12. That would have mattered for one unit, maybe. It would, have, it would have killed a couple more guys. Maybe a couple more of my really shitty infantry. It would have guaranteed kill a few more of your really shitty infantry. Uh, yeah, but th- mm, I'm not sure that really mattered. There were units of five. Like, ten bolters were pretty much killing them anyway, so... But 18 would have really killed them. Yeah. Um, Point is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was fun to play the game, um, get a bit of a sense for it. Well, oddly enough, I went home... And I was almost more jazzed to read through the rest of the Death Guard Codex. I always find that happens. Whenever I play an army and I get the shit kicked out of me, I'm like, okay, how do you make this good? Now it's a challenge. Also, I found out how they make those blight grenades really disgusting. Yeah. And it's with a character. Oh, okay. Because a character allows them to... It's uh, Stratagem allows them to all throw. Yep. 
And a character means on sixes they do mortal wounds. That's where the mortal wounds come from. I knew there was mortal wounds in there. And yep. if for anybody that doesn't know how grenades work, normally you can only throw one per unit, and it does D6 to, uh, hits. Uh, if you can throw with everybody, that's 10 D6 hits, doing mortal wounds on a six, and you're hitting on threes. It's pretty good. And re-rolling yeah. ones if you got a lord nearby. Well, yeah, not bad. And with strength three, especially when you're throwing at like high toughness stuff with the re-roll ones, you're probably going to get four or five mortal wounds out of that. Like, guaranteed. Yeah. So it was pretty good. It was kind of fun because it was an army that I was from the Wayback Machine. Yep. But, uh, I don't know. I've got some of the People plastic. are making Death Guard good. That's the thing. I think you could, like, the thing is you gotta, you got to play the whole game where it's what 8th Edge is supposed to do, where you have, like, okay, I want to ally in a bunch of stuff. That's hard to make good. If you play a pure you list, yeah, exactly, right? Like now, I got to take points away from my demons. What do I take away? Like, what would you drop from your your Nurgle list? Like, there's really not a lot there that isn't doing work. Honestly, the way to do it is have the Death Guard be the primary. Yep. I you know, using that. traditional language. Yep. And the demons be the secondary detachment. And use Nurglings to hold objectives and do crap. Because I can like actually that. take plague drones, plague bearers, and Nurglings in the Death Guard army. But you can't take a grand and clean one. And on, no, honestly, what I would do is I would take a supreme command attachment of Nurgle demons, mm-hmm. like characters, yep. to buff the units I have in my Death Guard army. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. But you have to be a lot more, I guess what I'm trying to say is you have to be a lot more picky about what you're going to try and make work when you're, um, when you're mixing stuff, right? Like yeah. You can't just get away with being like, what the hell are you doing? Nothing. Mike's being grumpy. It's okay. We now know Fuck why. you, Steve. It's our fault. It's all of our fault. All right. And your fault, apparently. Well, Mike, we're going to have to play a game. Yeah. And uh, if you kick the shit out of me, hopefully I'll feel better. <laughs> you should bring out your Tao. Or Tao. Tao. But I'm almost finished my Ultramarines. Well, I can play, you can play them against my uh, Chorn Berserkers or... Besides, I have to upgrade my... <laughs> or <laughs> Wards <laughs> to Zench. Genestellers. Oh, Ganestellers. Ganestellers. Those are the good ones. Or the Trinidad, Trinidad Warriors. Trinidad, Trinidad Warriors. Warriors. I need to buy my son some Trinidad Warriors and <laughs> Ganestellers. Excuse me? Uh, I'm not really sure what you mean. I don't know, but but how many heavy breakers can they take? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to die. <laughs> okay. Um, man, holy shit. I think we're going to actually be coming in a little bit early today. Okay. Which is good. Yeah, we can get outside for recess. I do want to throw out one more thing now. A uh, bit what? of a shameless plug. At wait, the, wait, wait. How many one I more th- things? I think this is six. I know. Because <laughs> the, the thing is, there's always one more thing. <laughs> but one more. <laughs> the last there's thing. There's another thing. I'm going to say one more thing today before closing out. And that is. We need to get Tom a black turtleneck. I feel like that. Yes. One more no. thing. But this is really jobs. fucking exciting, you guys. And it's a shameless plug. But Threadless recently added more options to our web store. That's <laughs> true. And yes. they have a home decor section. Oh, that's not that new. Well, it's new to us. Okay? I didn't notice it before, so it's really, obviously brand new. We got really excited the other night. <laughs> really excited. But if you want, you can now get such amazing things as Hobby Knit in Canada bath mats, Hobby Knit in Canada duvets, or shower curtains, or throw pillows. Exactly, yeah. And... Or as a gift that we ordered. <laughs> or, yeah. A baby jumper. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Did you buy a baby jumper? 100%. Steve, Steve did. <laughs> That's awesome. For a friend. Dale's baby He's not gonna is wear now going to be wearing it. 
That is fantastic. This episode can't go out until I've got it. It's between 10 to, 10 to 15 days. Ah. <laughs> Dale won't listen. Oh, he'll listen. <laughs> he knows what you ordered anyway. Yeah, he probably does. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, you were, it was, it's not very subtle when you're like, hey, Dale, how big's your baby? <laughs> <laughs> like, really, any other reason for asking that question is horrifying. Asking for a friend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but check it out. It's actually some really cool shit in there. And <laughs> I'm kind of surprised at how amazing some photo shoots we're going to be doing in the near future are going to be. And there is some, there are some designs that I want to do specifically to utilize these different media fully, not just have like a t-shirt logo blown up and put on a shower curtain. There's a few things that I have in mind that could be really badass if I get off my ass and do some Photoshop work. Cool. We should do that. So check that out. So yep. until, until next time, this has been another episode of Hobby Night in Canada. I'm Tom. I'm Dan. I'm Ward. And I'm pissed off, but yeah, okay, your turn, Steve. That was Mike, and I'm Steve. <laughs> So until next time, play some games, paint your fucking models, have fun, and check out the Threadless Store, because maybe there's some random shit that you guys want, and I have no shame. (laughs) 